bobbing and turning, the eggs of blowflies scattering into the water like thrown rice, the urgent sunfish eddy, the bluebottles hover, endlessly patient, and when the body has recovered its equilibrium and resumed its downward course, they settle once more. Boys note its passage first. Boys from the village taking the long way to Sunday school, and their witness is as much nature's way as is the slow dissolution of the floating body into the stratified media of air and water. The corpse isn't very far from shore, and clearly neither dog nor deer nor anything but man. "'I'll bet it's old Finn,' says one of them, Joe or Tom or Bill or perhaps some other. "'On this Sunday morning down by the river bank,' there is a like as polished stones. My pap says they'll fish him from the river one day for sure. Go on, says another. Yes, sir, worthless old drunk like that. Go on, says the other again. He picks up a flat stone and tests it in his hand, eyeing the crow which has returned and sunken its beak into a pocket of flesh. Shows how much you know. That ain't even a man. I reckon you think it's a mule. It's a woman. No question. The lot of them go jostling together and squinting into the sunrise and blinking against the glare on the water as if the only thing superior to the floating corpse of a man would be the floating corpse of a woman, as if seeking in unison for a lesson in anatomy and never mind the cost finally from one of them or another, but in the end from the childish heart in each, save the learned one, this confession. How can you tell? Men float face down. Anybody knows that. Skipping the stone across the water to flush the crow, ruining his good trousers with the offhand brush of muddy fingers. They draw straws, and as the unlucky boy lights out toward the village to enlist an adult, the rest of them locate a skiff and cast off and make for the body. They hook her with a willow switch, these boys inured to dead things, and they drag her like bait to shore. One of them has been keeping a dead cat on a string for a week now, a kitten really, just a poor stiff dried husk one exactly this way, string and all, in a game of mumbly-peg. The corpse floats low in the water, bottoming out in the mud that sucks at heel and buttock and drooping wrist. During its journey down the river, it's failed to swell in the common way of corpses left in the sun. It lacks for skin, all of it, from scalp to sole. Nothing remains but sinew and bone and scraps of succulent yellow fat that the crows have not yet torn free. One boy panics and loses his balance and falls into the water, his clothes spoiled for Sunday. The bootlegger stirs his fire, oblivious to the sparks that circle upward into the night sky. He hears everything, every whisper in the dry grass of the pathway that leads from behind a shack, every snapping twig in the surrounding woods, every wingbeat of sparrow or jay or owl. "'You can't steal whiskey from old Bliss,' 
he likes to say. As if anyone would stoop so low as to steal whiskey from a blind man. He repeats this reassurance now to Finn, who has proven him wrong before. That's so, says Finn. Pleased with himself, Bliss cackles until he coughs. Then he spits between his crooked teeth into the fire, where the sputum lands with a satisfying sizzle. You got a jug? Course I got a jug. Finn is as regular around these premises as the weather, even more regular than Bliss knows. But tonight his first purpose is neither to buy whiskey nor to steal it, but to dispose of something in Bliss's perpetual fire. He has a toe sack between his feet, filthy even in the firelight, and slowly leaking something into the dust.